Hello and welcome once again to episode 105 of Code Completion, where a group of iOS developers and educators hoping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So while we weren't looking, uh, a wild encounter, I mean a public release occurred. Um, and, uh, this, I guess, took place instead of having a usual October event, right? Hmm. Yeah, kind of interesting how they did it, but they just kind of up and released a couple new iPads and a new Apple TV just out of nowhere. And I, I especially surprised because it's like one of the iPads is an iPad Pro. I can kind of see them mm-hmm. doing that for like refreshing the base uh, iPad, which is the other one, but... When they were like, oh, yeah, here's a brand new M2 iPad Pro. That took us all, I think, by surprise. So mm-hmm. I definitely wasn't expecting it. Yeah, I, I guess because it was more of like a spec bump, and we'll get into that, uh, maybe they didn't feel like it deserved a full event. Um, but it reminds me a lot. I guess a few years back, I don't know if you remember, they had like five days of Christmas kind of thing. Of like Every day before the event, they were like, oh, we have a new thing of this. Uh, and then the, on Tuesday, it was like, oh, we have a brand new version of this. <laughs> And then on Wednesday, it was, oh, by the way, this is also brand new. And uh, they had a lot of fun, I think, doing that. But I don't know if it worked out in their favor or not. So they just decided, here's all three things uh, yeah. today. Um, and the first of the new three things is a brand new iPad. The The iPad with no uh, no prefixes or suffixes is back. Uh, it's just the iPad. Um, and uh, yeah, it's new. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. So I, I guess... One of the biggest things um, is that it has like the nice slim bezels like the rest of the iPad. So now we're officially done with the home button on iPads. I think that was the last one. Um, so it mm-hmm. basically looks like an iPad Air does now. Um, it has still has Apple Pencil 1 support. It comes in some really nice kind of vibrant colors that remind me of like the iPhone 5C days. Uh, kind of that pastel-y uh, blue, pink, yellow, uh, white. And I think that's it. I don't think there's a darker one. Yeah, just those four. Yeah. Um, it has the A14 Bionic, which is the same as, I think, previous gen iPad Air. Um, yeah, the new iPad, iPad Air is an A15, right? Yeah, okay. So I've got an iPad Air here that has the A14. Um, so it's an a, so, it's a iPhone 12, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, it's got like the cool front camera, so you've got, um, I always forget what it's, it's called. It's got a cooler front camera. It's got a landscape front camera. And I think this is worth like oh, talking about I a little bit. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so, so this, this is the first time Apple's diverging. Ooh, Spencer is surprised. Uh, you <laughs> I am see surprised. it here live, um, live reaction video. Uh, we're doing the YouTube thing right, it turns out. Um, <laughs> now you just got to scream like a maniac and blow out some levels. Um, but yeah, this is the first time Apple is, is bringing a landscape camera to iPads. The most like normal way that most people use them is in landscape. I would say, um, it is not really a portrait device. Even the screen like is mounted in landscape. If you were to look at the subpixels and all that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool that, uh, it's finally getting a landscape camera, which is, I would say what, where most people expect to look. Uh, when yep. they're dealing with the camera, um, I, I use my iPad for Zoom all the time, and it's really weird. I always have to put someone else's uh, video over to the side, so that way I actively look at the camera 
otherwise like i am looking like off into a direction it has nothing yep. to do with uh where where the camera actually is and therefore i just look like i'm talking into the distance rather than talking to a person um so i think it's it's great that they're putting it in a place where like eyes naturally look um it's just going to be a question whether uh they're gonna bring that to the other ipads right <laughs> Yeah, I guess my my follow up is is that a part of the new iPad Pro or is it still on the top? <laughs> nope, it's only nope. on the it's only on this new entry level <laughs> iPad, which is not quite so entry level because the home yeah. the the uh, what's that called the home button? I forgot. It's been so long since I've touched one. Uh, mm-hmm. But the home button uh, iPad is still available uh, as the lowest price point. I think it starts at three twenty nine. Yes, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so that's the absolute cheapest iPad you can get, and then this one is at uh, four four forty nine. Four forty nine. Thank you. Uh, and that's that's where this one is starting. So it's not the absolute che- cheapest, but it is definitely the entry level iPad. Um, and then the iPad Air is the upgrade to this um, in terms of like regular uh, use iPads. You're not using this as like a main computing device. Uh, for mm-hmm. any serious work, not that many people do serious work on iPads, but people try. Um, so we let them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to yeah, say about that. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's kind of interesting now that there is the you know original base model iPad with uh, the the home button, uh, and then they've kind of like refreshed it with this, and it's sort of encroaching, I think, a little bit on the iPad Air where I mean to me the only real big difference is that the I guess the the selling difference between me buying this or an iPad Air if I had to choose is that the iPad Air gets second generation Apple Pencil support which means it's magnetic and that is a world of change going from the first to second generation Apple Pencil I don't actually lose it all the time so uh, that alone is, I like. I think the biggest differentiating differentiating factor because this also has uh, the keyboard folio. So you know you've got a keyboard and trackpad and everything on this iPad as well. So there's like, I feel like the lineup is kind of getting a little bit crowded. If that makes sense. Yeah, they made it really, really complicated all at once. Yeah. Um, there is a better screen on the iPad Air as well, um, though. Like no one is going to pay attention to that when they were when they're like purchasing this thing um so uh i think the keyboard folio is it called a keyboard folio like are you actually reading that because there are like yeah it's 10 products named folios and keyboards and a mixture of both of those terms so yes the magic keyboard folio magic keyboard folio okay uh so this thing is really cool because one uh it allows you to use your ipad in portrait if you really wanted to something that the magic keyboard for the iPad Pros don't allow you to do is to mm-hmm. ever use it in portrait. You have to right. snap that iPad out of there. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, second thing, I heard it's about like a half a pound or a little bit more than a half a pound lighter than the, the oh. Magic Keyboard. Um, so it's going to make your iPad a lot less heavy in a dramatic way because a half a pound for an iPad is an, is an inc- a, a large, large amount percentage-wise. Yeah. Um, and then it includes a function row, uh, function key row on top, which means yeah. that you do get access to an escape key, uh, which I never really thought I would use all that much, but it turns out I reach <laughs> for it all the time whenever I'm yeah. typing anything in like 
slack and wanting to get rid of the suggestions or whatnot. Um, so, uh, yeah, escape keys are useful. Who to thunk? Um, and uh, this this keyboard has it. It also has a trackpad, I believe, right? Yep. Um, so it is a very versatile uh, kind of keyboard cover type thing uh, that origami's out into into a full keyboard experience. Um, and yeah, it's it's excellent that they're kind of exploring this. It's a bummer that it's relegated to the cheapest iPad now. Yeah. Um, but that's that's how things are, right? Yeah, I think my thinking with that, with both this new folio, which I think is actually really cool the way that it kind of folds out, um, as well as, uh, like you mentioned, that uh, landscape-facing camera is probably just a test on these iPads to see how it goes on the cheapest ones. And I wouldn't be surprised if the landscape camera comes to all iPads, like in the next refresh. That That's huge. It. I mean, I very rarely will use my iPad in, in portrait mode, so. Just yeah, sense. that makes sense. Um, and then the Apple Pencil, which is another really like curious decision that they made. They decided to go with the first generation Apple Pencil, uh, which yeah. is the ancient generation Apple Pencil, the one that uh, you uh, Apple decided it's a great way for you to be able to always keep a charge, is that you can just plug it into uh, the the port on the iPad, and therefore you have a uh, Something easily karate choppable uh, is the way I like to put it. Um, yeah. It's going to be very easy for you to damage both your iPad and your Apple Pencil uh, with this very fragile thing sticking out of its only port. Um, Except, and... oh wait, it's now USB-C, and yeah. so they include a <laughs> nine, or you have to buy a nine dollar dongle uh, to if go from Lightning have... to USB-C. Yeah, if you already have an Apple Pencil one, you have to buy a dongle. That's nine dollars. Uh, if you do not have an Apple Pencil one yet and you buy an Apple Pencil one, it now comes with the dongle. Oh, okay, uh, so, okay. So you have to remember to keep this dongle on you. Uh, I remember there's a similar dongle to like, yes. uh, give it, uh, the ability to plug into a regular lightning cable lightning because it cable, had, yes. it had the mail connector. So I think it's something very similar here, right? Is the dongle like a USB-C male or is it a USB-C female? I just it's probably something ridiculous. So. Oh yeah, whatever. I I <laughs> it's probably kind of extra ridiculous, kind of unrelated. But I saw a tweet. I forgot to to grab it. I'll we'll find it. Uh, but it was like a guy that posted a picture, and the caption was, "I found the best way to charge the Apple Pencil," and it was into the bottom of a Magic Mouse. I don't know if it would actually charge it, but it just looked ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it, you can plug that thing into all sorts of things. You can put your AirPods onto the Apple Pencil, and then you have like this really cool eraser head, um, which yeah. is what all the kids were into <laughs> back in the days of like putting erasers on your pencils. Yeah, um, that was that was way back in the day. Yeah, uh, I don't know what kids do nowadays. Um, uh, apparent so side side thing. Apparently, like a lot of schools in Japan banned erasers because kids were like showing off all their cool erasers, and that was like <laughs> making evident class inequality uh, in in a classroom setting. And they were like not not okay with that. Uh, so yeah, erasers got banned from a lot of Japanese schools uh, because not, not the ones you put on on pencils. These are just yeah. cool erasers. Um, yeah. Because Japan has cool erasers. I don't know if you've ever gone to a Japanese stationery store. They're yeah. like anything you can imagine. There's an eraser of that uh, nice. object. So yeah, that's just something that exists. Um, so yeah, that's the new iPad. Uh, anything else that we missed? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, it's available I mean, soon. Yeah, 
you know, 5G, it's got 5G, 5G, 5G. Uh, Does it have 5G? Six, by it, Verizon? It can, yeah. Um, cool. That, I think it starts at like $600 then if you get the cellular model. Um, mm-hmm. But like that front camera does the whatever center stage and stuff. So there's some good improvements for sure. Um, I think it still only has one back camera and everything. But yeah, I mean, it's good. Yeah. I, was actually I think it still has my... a SIM card too. So uh, unlike the maybe. iPhone, it, it kept the SIM card. Yeah, very well could. I, I didn't check that. So yeah. Yeah, but and then, then you said it has have... Wi-Fi 6 or 6E? Yeah, just 6. Just 6, okay. So yeah. that means that the upcoming iPad Pro is the first device that Apple is shipping that has Wi-Fi 6E then. I believe so, yes. So yeah, transitioning so. rapidly into the new iPad Pro. There's a new iPad yeah. Pro, um, uh, and it has Wi-Fi 6E. Uh, which you might be wondering, what is up with Wi-Fi 6 versus Wi-Fi 6E? Uh, the E in Wi-Fi 6E stands for 6 gigahertz. Um, that's about it. Uh, so that means you have a whole lot more bandwidth. You can probably get more than gigabit speeds uh, in practical use, which is really cool. If you have a Wi-Fi 6E router, which most people don't. Uh, yep. So that's something to look forward to in the future. Uh, but until then, the iPad will be the fastest Wi-Fi device that you may or may not own though it might not actually be the fastest one because it might it's still a two by two radio not a four by four yeah Um, so so. that means that like the bandwidth is not as fast as it could be yep but pretty dang fast yeah so that's Um, the only upgrade to the ipad pro so kind of boring no (laughs) (laughs) no well actually has the m2 which i'm actually very interested to see uh the thermals on because i know that people have had uh talked about issues with even the macbook air uh, which mm-hmm. probably has a larger chassis and thermal kind of uh, capacity overheating so obviously you're probably not going to push an ipad pro as hard but um you know there's there's the option of yeah i guess something. for the small boost of speed then that's noticeably faster right if you're doing anything long winded then the battery is probably gonna like warm up to and then give decreased power voltage to the processor and everything's going to get like be in a bad state at that point in time. So you're not really using these devices to do long, heavy work, um, work as in computational work. You can probably get work done. Um, it's just not going to be like, Oh, now compiling, uh, something for two hours. Yeah. Right. So I think probably the biggest thing with this is they've added hover support um to the apple pencil kind of like i know that wacom tablets uh used to have it back in the day or i guess they still exist they still have it yeah yeah (laughs) not i i'm surprised i don't know anyone that uses them anymore um but the ability to hover and kind of see where the pencil is before um it's on the screen and i don't know if there are kind of extra features along with that hover support but um I, I also haven't looked into it. Have you seen anything else? No, uh, I did not dig into the API, but to give anyone an idea of like why this might be useful um, is imagine you are in uh, some painting software, right? Something where you can do some digital painting. Uh, it becomes tremendously useful when you do not have a brush in your hand to know like how the brush is going to interact with the screen once right. you lay it down. Um, and this is something that uh, anyone who's used a brush before will know is like it matters very much how you get the point touching first and then you push the rest of the brush stroke 
uh, into it, you're going to get a very different shape. You're going to get a very different amount of ink going onto the page and stuff like that. Um, so up until now, software has just kind of had to rely on the fact that you start touching the surface and then you press harder. Um, whereas this gives you an extra, uh, an extra amount of leeway to that dimension where before you even touch the surface, you can go ahead and start interacting with, um, like whatever you're going to be drawing or using the pencil with. And then the software can kind of use that information to build up the stroke that it's going to do once you do touch it. Um, so you can do some very interesting things as a result of this if you do write like drawing software. Um, or you can do the bare minimum, which is to just so like, hey, you're about to draw here, um, mm-hmm. which like is useful, but not super useful. Because like, yeah, you know, you're about to draw there. You put the thing down there. Um, yeah. So like that's the that's the bare minimum that you could do but the the more useful thing that you can do is like give a preview in terms of like how big of a stroke is going to happen or use that information to construct a hypothetical brush stroke where you are like turning the the bristles before they even touch down on the paper and stuff like that um so there's a there's a lot of usefulness that can come about from this it just depends on people like taking advantage of that yeah, uh, in one of their promotional videos, I don't know, I, I can't remember which one, but it did show things like Dimitri said with um, showing a preview of, you know, the breaststroke and everything, make sure you get in the right place and everything. And I think as well, I can't remember where I read it, I think it was a couple of days ago when it was announced, um, but it doesn't just know proximity to the screen, but it also knows things like tilt and, and mm-hmm. all of that, which is what Dimitri's saying that you can get that brush stroke, uh, you know, perfect right before you even start. So that's really cool. Not just having it be like a proximity sensor, but relaying all of the normal information that the Apple Pencil does as far as, uh, you know, uh, I, I can't remember what it's called, like azimuth or whatever, or I don't know. It's been a hot minute since I looked at that API, but um, tilt and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, really and cool. I think it, it, it works at a fair distance away. So 12 millimeters, I think, is what uh, people were throwing around, which is about uh, like more than half an inch um, or just about half an inch, I would that's, say. Yeah, it's like that's like 2.5, right? So, yeah, just about half an inch um, away from the surface of the screen, it will start to register it. Um, and, of course, the closer you get, the more accurate it can be in terms of finding out exactly like where you're going to touch down. Um, and the best part it does not require a new Apple Pencil. So if you already have mm-hmm. an Apple Pencil 2, that will just work with uh, this, which is quite surprising. Yeah, we were we were speculating about that, and Ben mentioned that it's probably just a new... Um, I forgot what he said. Not digitizer. A digitizer. Oh, did, and was it a digitizer? Oh. I think that's what um, it is on the screen. Yeah. So super cool. Um, and, uh, you know, along with this um, new iPad, not that it's specific to the new iPad, but they're touting external monitor support, stage manager and all that. So be interesting to see how that is. I haven't really kept up on um, the improvements to the experience. I know that at first it was, in the first betas, it was really bad. Um, and I don't think the external monitor that. support is available yet. Like that's going to be turned on later. Um, and we're just getting like base stage manager, um, at this point in time. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, as of this uh, episode comes out, um, as we record, it's not out yet, but as of this episode coming out, uh, iPad OS, uh, 16 will have come out as of 
as will iOS 16.1 and macOS 13 Ventura. Are we at 13? I don't know. They got so confusing with the numbers. I was keeping up and then yes, uh, we hit 16 and 16 was actually tw- uh, 11. Yes, yeah, 16 <laughs> <Yeah>. was 11 <laughs> and then we had 12 and now we're at 13. Okay, yeah, was, uh, yeah. I got it. I got this. We're at macOS 18. <laughs> you can't imagine if I, people still counted that way. Yeah, that'd be bad. Um, yeah, um, so it's all coming out Monday. Uh, long yeah. story short. Um, and you'll be able to start playing around with all this, um, which is cool and exciting. Um, I actually put in an order for an iPad, and I mm-hmm. got mine early. Um, and you already by got early, it? I mean, I got the Magic Keyboard they bought oh. with it early. <laughs> so I was going to say, it's not, it's not supposed to be out until Wednesday. Yeah, so uh, mine should come on Wednesday, so I can talk about it then. Um, in the meantime, I did get the, the white uh, Magic Keyboard. Um, the white because is I already so have, pretty. I already have a black one. Uh, and this one is like falling apart, fraying at the edges. So like, it, I'm not going to be using that on a new iPad uh, for like I was hoping it would last, but I guess three years was its <laughs> maximum uh, survivability uh, for that. Um, but yeah, this this one is the same one that was being sold. So there's nothing new about it. Mm-hmm. Um, no function re- row, no function key row. Uh, no, like, portrait use. You just, it's still kind of awkward. It kind of holds itself up on the floor, which is kind of neat when it's open. So that kind of works for portrait use, but mm, it's not really made for it. Yeah. Um, and I did see some people, like, mention, like, hey, iPad Pro, why don't we have the landscape camera on that thing? That's the Pro use. Like, heck, yeah, keep... dude. This does not work in portrait, right? This was only in landscape. <laughs> exactly. Why do I need to look over here instead of looking right in the middle there? Um, so it turns out uh, that uh, it might be more difficult than we think to get both a camera and the Apple Pencil magnetic holder slash uh, communication thingamajig mm. in that same amount of space. Uh, because Apple has to have everything be symmetric. Of course, the sensors are all in the center of the Apple Pencil, and the Apple Pencil has to be center-aligned with the iPad, and the mm-hmm. iPad is center-aligned with the camera, and therefore all of this kind of is yeah. stuck in the same spot. So that's probably why we don't have Apple II, Apple Pencil 2 support on the regular brand-new iPad, uh, and why we do not have a landscape camera on the new iPad Pro. Not to mention sense. there's also the Face ID sensor array that they've got to fit there as well. Oh yeah, it's even bigger. Um, yeah, than just one camera. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's probably why none of that is is kind of aligning this year. Uh, maybe they could have like put the put the magnets like on the side of the camera, and you have two magnets because I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever played with it. You can like spin the yeah. <laughs> spin the pencil around on the center there, uh, which is okay, but it's not optimal. Uh, but then that would require a new pencil because all the pencil hardware is in the middle. Um, so, uh, I could see Apple have been saying like, Hey, we can have an Apple pencil three. This is a great moment for it. Every, yeah, like exactly. we have this new digitizer thing that would have been perfect, I think. Uh, but I guess Apple decided not to go down that route. Uh, maybe they have a ton, like a literal stockpile of Apple pencil twos that they still need to get through. Who knows? Um, could be. uh, like maybe they just did one production run and they like are still selling them. Um, I, I hope that's not the case because batteries, uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, like who knows what reasons they chose to go with, but that might be the reason why we don't have it this year. 
Um, so maybe next year look forward to uh, probably more uh, cameras and stuff all at one, like camera moving and then new Apple Pencil to like make room for that. Or maybe the cameras get smaller. Maybe the cameras move down into the screen for no reason. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, interesting. Uh, um, and then finally, we have the new Apple TV 4K, which I am so sad about because I just bought a second Apple TV 4K. Like, oh right a couple months ago <laughs> oh no i'm like dude they're like they're not gonna release another one they just refreshed it like what oh okay so they did do some good things with this they did finally dump the apple tv hd uh that's yes. no longer a thing um they did increase the the chip to the latest and greatest a15 a15 um, yeah which like i would say that's reasonable that's what some mm-hmm. of the current are, are some of the current iPhones on the A15? No, they're on the yes. A16, but the A16 is the same thing as an A15. Oh, yeah. that was So it would be the the 13 uh, Pro or the iPhone 14. Anyways, it's basically an M1. Uh, yeah. That's a yeah. long story short. <laughs> uh, it's great performance. Um, so, like, no one's, compl- no one's going to complain here. Uh, I better not see any, like, laggy manipulation of the on this new apple tv yeah. uh that's for sure uh but it dropped down in price so it's like 129 mm-hmm. now um so it's the most affordable an apple tv has basically ever been uh and that gets you the 32 gig model without an ethernet jack and without thread support so this is basically yeah. uh a spec bumps but also a minor downgrade of the old apple tv 4k no fan um and it's kind of smaller right uh, and then for slightly more, I have no idea how much more, uh, you do get that Ethernet jack uh, back and you get 128 gigabytes of um, onboard storage. Uh, so that way you can download all the all the uh, screensavers. Like you finally yeah. have room for that. Uh, <laughs> That's about the only reason for the storage. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what else the storage is used for. Uh, I guess games if you download that. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, you get uh, the thread, the thread radio in there. Um, and if you're wondering what on earth thread is, it's basically IPv6 uh, dedicated radio that does not require like an internet backhaul. It just, hey, everything is going to multicast to everything else, and everything will just work because we have infinite addresses now. Um, that's the basic idea. It's probably more complicated than that, but that's what I'm going uh, for this. Uh, so yeah, new Apple TV 4K. Um, yeah, it's basically a spec bump. It, unless you felt that your Apple TV was slow in some regard, probably not really worth changing it. Uh, it's probably like just the same. Uh, you just know that this means that next year all the uh UI and interaction is going to be totally revamped to take advantage of this newfound power and make the A13 Apple TV 4K very slow as a result. Probably not, um, but yeah, it's new. Yeah. Uh, there's also the new uh, Apple Siri remote, and this has a, a big, big change, and that is it no longer has a lightning port. It's a USB-C port now. Is it really? I did not see it is. that. Oh, it is man. Yeah, and that was half the reason I bought another Apple TV is so I could have one of these, dude. It's an $80 remote. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, I have a question for you. Do yeah. you get the play and pause buttons constantly, like, 
mixed up when you're not looking at the remote. Like you try playing, you try playing or pausing something, and you press mute or you press menu no, instead. I don't. I do it all the time. It drives me insane. <laughs> so I just know uh, it's I'm the hope- second one from the bottom. <laughs> I, I am deeply hoping that Apple uh, adds some sort of marks or something that can help uh, in that regard because it's very very hard for me to. To like press the right button sometimes. I don't know why. Like I It'd should be, nice. be able to feel this, but I think they flipped them at one point. Maybe my brain is confused. I, don't I think know. they did. Yeah, it'd be nice if it had like backlit buttons. Well, I'm not even looking that's... at it. Like I just I feel like the pl- if they indented the buttons with like the play button, yeah, and then like a mute. I think that would do most of uh, what I need from it. Though probably someone's fingertips are gonna grind away those off, yeah. um like you know this uh, the the touch id what that's sensing all those ridges on your fingers well those are also mm-hmm. little mini sand sandpaper filers uh for buttons and keyboards and stuff it turns out uh so yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why they didn't do that who knows yeah i i randomly i've been i looked at my um my car stereo and it's like an aftermarket one because my car's freaking old um but I noticed that the volume wheel, all like all of the silver finish is coming off on the edges. I was like, oh, shoot, dude. Like, <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. So it happens for sure. Have you been collecting that silver? You can probably remine it. It's uh, not silver. <laughs> re-refine <just> it. <laughs> some cheap paint. That's all. Oh, darn. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask, I think, so with the thread support, that's like to ha- also helping with... Um, like the matter smart home stuff is that mm-hmm. right that's yeah. that's the reason that i'm kind of thinking like oh crap i kind of want to upgrade because i have home kit stuff but i'm sure that with this matter um whatever collaboration that there will be a bunch of new smart home stuff that's going to be you know better in many many ways so i'm kind of thinking. do you have well, any home pod minis yeah then those yeah. have it as well oh it has the the thread radio mm-hmm Yes, you just saved me from buying an Apple TV. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, great. I have no idea how it's going to all work at the end of the day, but both HomePods and Apple TVs act as home hubs, uh, yes, whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, and that's basically a Bluetooth to Wi-Fi relay station for all intents and purposes. Um, so uh, it seems like Thread is going to be the replacement for the Bluetooth part of the equation. Um, Mm. and the Wi-Fi part of the equation. So that way, uh, things won't need to have like Wi-Fi. They can just have thread and hope for at least one hub in whatever home they end up, whether that's an Alexa or an Apple TV or a HomePod or a Google voice home, Google home, I think it's called nest. I don't know. Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, if you have one of these things that also has power and therefore a Wi-Fi connection, uh, then that can be like the relay. Uh, for yeah. all those things okay. and all those things will have real internet addresses uh, because it's all using ipv6 um, and i think thread mandates that everything uh, has an encrypted connection as well as like cool. the basics of internet protocol uh, which is not mandated by ipv6 it got jettisoned at the the last moment otherwise we would have had like tls on everything by default um, which would have been really neat uh, but that's not the world we live in. So, uh, yeah, Apple TV, uh, basically a spec bump. Um, yeah. But I think it's it's good that Apple is doing spec bumps. They used to do spec bumps all the time, like multiple times a year. It's like, hey, we're mm-hmm. just updating this thing again uh, yeah. because new stuff came out. Um, so 
I don't know if this means like the chip shortage is finally like getting less crazy. Um, like for whatever it's worth, uh, Ubiquity finally has like stuff in their store for in like stock, uh, nice. which also probably means that the chip shortage is getting less crazy. Uh, because for the longest time, it's like, hey, we have all this stuff. None is is available for sale. Uh, it's yeah. all sold out. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see how that all works out. Yeah, I think I'd assume that things are getting a lot better. Like you can actually buy like GPUs for a PC now, which was not the case for almost like three years there. Um, mm-hmm. So okay. probably but also I helps know. like crypto crash. Yeah, but that's the, yeah, like a whole separate <laughs> crypto crashed, and then uh, Ethereum finally merged. So they're not mining on that, so that's good. Sweet. It, the world is healing. <laughs> the world is healing. Um, and that leads us to our next topic, and that is that Swift might be getting macros soon. So on the Swift forums, uh, Douglas Greger, um, who is one of the main maintainers of Swift. Uh, shared that he is he and the team are looking uh, for ways that macros can fit in the Swift language. And for those of you who don't know what a macro is, it's basically a way for you to uh, write code that will generate code uh, in your file. Um, and this is great for boilerplate. So if you know that you are going to uh, have your code run or need to call a very specific set of instructions just with a different variable name four times in a row, you can write a macro for that first time um, and it will just, you just call that macro four times and it will generate the code um, rather than call function. So this is like one level away from actually running your code on something. You're generating it in advance to do something useful, usually to remove boilerplate um, and to make the programming experience a lot better. Um, And... Uh, adding macros to Swift can be like a double-edged sword. It can either uh, really help in a lot of distinct ways. Like, for instance, in the standard library, there's int 8, int 16, int 32, int 64. Um, and they're all identical other than the amount of bits. Um, and therefore, there's one implementation for all of those. And I think they use like GIM files or whatever, um, GYB, uh, mm-hmm. whatever those stand for. Uh, but it's basically a Python uh, library that will go and generate four different files at all these different bits um, that will do the same thing for all of them. Uh, so macros can help take care of that um, as well. Another place where macros can help is like Codable. Uh, we are all used to Codable just magically working. Guess what? The compiler is writing code on your behalf uh, to make Codable work. Um, and it does that before it actually parses the rest of your code. It just says, like, hey... Uh, it looks like you have these properties. Let me write an initializer with these properties. Mm-hmm. Um, so what they're looking forward to is being able to take all these bits that are currently sequestered away in the compiler, like equatable, hashable, uh, codable, all these magic pieces, and make them less magic, make them just macros um, that like a protocol can say, hey, you get equality, uh, and this is a macro. And it will look at all the properties in your type and infer what the method should actually look like um, based on that. And it will run in a separate module to actually generate that code for you um, that can actually be read. So uh, that's what they're looking forward to. Uh, But they don't want it to end up in the same situation as C where like a macro can hijack everything and like cause complete chaos uh, if done wrong. And it's like super cryptic to write them 
you have to like really know yet another programming language the the uh preprocessor um compiler i think that's what's called uh the c preprocessor um so yeah uh it's been a hot minute since i've last touched any of those things but <laughs> uh yeah they there'd be dragons for sure yeah okay <clears throat> i mentioned it dimitri before the show like i don't I get well. Your your explanation cleared up a couple things, but I mentioned to him I didn't really understand like the purpose of this. Um, and I I get I guess taking the onus away from the compiler, kind of magically doing things to it, actually just generating code. That's cool. Um, so I guess it, it is like in a stage before it gets compiled, it gets generated, kind of. I mean, I guess kind of like core data classes mm -hmm. in a sense. Okay. Yeah, um, you get that like pre-generated type, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not sure core data, like there is the, the Swift plugins, the Swift Package Manager plugins, which I'd say the core data kind of fits in that realm a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but you can also think of like asserts or something we used to use macros for because the certs could go ahead and use your about like whatever code you wrote in the assert um it would print that out with the assert like it just magically knew you were trying to do a plus b minus c um okay. like with those variable names exactly as you typed it um and that's because it took whatever you typed in there and you thought you were calling a function you're actually just calling a macro that would take that string and put in a log and also take that string and evaluate it um, so both like do both of those things. Another very common one is, um, uh, localized string. Um, that is also a macro that would expand out to something though in Swift, mm. they just wrote like a helper function that would expand it out. Um, but as a macro, it can do a whole lot more useful things. It can, uh, it can know exactly what arguments are being passed and do stuff with that. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's like the crux of it is like, I, my thinking was like, what is the difference between having this and like having a function? And I guess it's just like the, the macro can be a little bit more dynamic in what mm -hmm. it does, I guess. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were looking at other cases of like how to make this a real swift thing. Like let's not just build macros, let's build whatever the next stage further than macros is. Um, and they were looking at like an example of a member wise init, a member wise init has to know what types are part of the right. the like what members are part of the type you're writing an initializer for right it has to know how many variables there are there are what types those variables are if those types support like default values and initializers and like what those default values should be in etc mm -hmm. etc etc it's a very complex problem uh, at the end of the day it's not something you can just write a function for right um, sure. you want code to be generated to have that initializer in there um and what they're proposing is hey you can just write um pound sign uh member wise init and that will figure that out it knows from context you're in this type it has these properties um and it has access to that tree in fact they gave an example uh, like the whole reason why this is part of a different module that you would write these macros in is because you have access to all the pieces of Swift they've been building in Swift, like the compiler itself that they've been rewriting in Swift, you have access mm -hmm. to that. So you have access to the whole tree, you have access to the parsing, you have access to uh, like the context, 
Um, and at several different stages of the compiler as well, you can uh, have access to inference of types as well. So um, some parts may be something that can be syntax highlighted. Other parts might be something that are just evaluated when you finally compile. But uh, the Swiss compiler can help your macro along the way be correct, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just okay. generating a string and then having that string be code. Okay, so like in that example of generating the, the memberwise initializer, it's like introspecting the the class or the struct or whatever and, and figuring mm -hmm. all that out. Okay. Yeah, at compile time. So then you end yeah. up with a super um like very precise memberwise initializer that would just do what it needs to do and nothing That's else. So cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So uh I I read his um initial kind of walkthrough of of um the proposal i didn't read any more than like one or two comments so where is this at is this like pretty early like you, you mentioned they're kind of still trying to figure out the direction so this isn't anything that would be like in swift six or seven probably i would say this is probably something that may come as a part of the swift five uh like round of things like 5.10 oh. or whatever um cool. Uh, but it is something that um, will probably come in sooner rather than later. Right now they're fielding, mm -hmm. hey, you, if you write a library, what kind of features would you really like for this? Um, and some have already pointed out like, hey, we would really like the ability to wrap functions. Like say, hey, you have a function. I want to wrap it entirely as a whole with some other code so that way we can trace it, we can do all sorts of things, mm. um, especially useful in Swift on the server because that's a very common pattern. Like, hey, mm. I want my function before it's called to authenticate first. So, yeah. like, perfect. Um, this can be something that can write that authentication bit um, in a very uh, that's, uh, strategic okay, that's way. Cool. Yeah. Um, and once again, this happens at compile time, so you don't lose any runtime performance for any mm -hmm. of this. Um, so that's that's the major benefit to these macros. Um, and they do things that would otherwise be impossible because you're you're working as a programmer, right? You're taking the job of the programmer to add extra abilities to the code that's being written. Um, and that's where macros can be super powerful. It's, it's basically hijacking the rest of the bits of the language that were previously impossible to hijack. Like, long story short. So uh, this has to be done very carefully, obviously. Uh, you can mm -hmm. end up with uh, not to mention the security risks, but just the confusion, the complication. Like, you don't want everyone just writing macros here and there for simple things. You yeah. want main library writers to, like, build stuff that they're going to use in their library. And that's basically all you want those macros to be able to do. Um, and never really expose them to users uh, other than letting users write their own, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's... Kind of going back to my thing of like, why isn't this just like a variable or a function? I saw some examples of um, macros that were just like renaming things, right? You like def like pound define something to be like something shorter, of, you know. So in that sense, I was like, I don't really get it. But with a lot of this like generative stuff, that's that makes a little bit more sense. So yeah, cool. another. Another really common example is like take a, a static array. A static array has a fixed number of elements. Um, you would need to write a very specialized type that has like an internal tuple 
of those 16 or 17 elements if you really wanted to. Um, and that is not at all like practical to write if you were like, oh, it'd be really nice if I had 19 here and 17 here. Mm. Um, so you can write a, a, a macro that can help synthesize that code. Um, and then you don't really have to care however many times you need to call it. Um, it would just write the correct thing for you. That's cool. Yeah. So, yay. Uh, looking forward to macros taking over the language and only being used in libraries because, once again, it gets really confusing once other people start to, like, make use of them. But, yeah, I think it would be a good thing to have. Yeah, that sounds like... Uh, uh, like a genuine need, I guess. Like, I think mm-hmm. we're getting pretty... There are a lot of things that are just like, they feel good and complete, but that... Now that I, now that you mention it, I'm like, oh yeah, that that seems like a cool, um, n- like necessary addition. That mm-hmm. would be I, nice. I can also see it really cool if... What, like, I don't know if anyone's discussed this yet, but this is just like off the top of my head. Um, if whatever macros you do use, if you can choose to expand them then and there, then you can have access to the code that it generated um, and use that as a starting point to do something else. So maybe you use a macro to generate a bunch of code and then you're like, okay, now it's time for me to customize this. Uh, and then you can go ahead and do that, write an Xcode, um, like let the macro oh, nice. generate the code. And then before even compiling it really, well, you let it compile. Um, but before let it actually running the code, you can turn it into code that you can then modify further and do whatever specific thing you need. Like, for instance, uh, I do know that uh, you can, uh, if you know where to look, uh, get to the equatable implementations that the compiler will synthesize for you. Like those are just files at the end of the day that get written, right. that get included with your compiled result. Uh, so that is something that I feel like if at the tool level it becomes available would be really useful um, for everyone because then you could use the macro one time basically to do what you need to do and then you're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's the tweet um that's the tweet and finally on our list of uh, new things uh this week uh is apple announced that they're starting a savings account program so along with your apple card you can get an apple savings account uh with no fees uh all the great stuff that apple has touted for apple card uh i don't think they mentioned any like what the interest rate will be um but yeah it's a savings account Cool. Yeah. I don't know what to yeah, say. they mentioned I think like their big thing is you can just have it directly put in the um whatever the daily savings or whatever it's called from your Apple card. When you spend money you get one, two, or three percent cash back and it can just automatically get put in that savings account so it'll just grow um that way. So and I think I, I read you can also like connect a bank account to deposit money in there. I don't know if like they'll add it. So it has its own number and you could like direct deposit your paycheck in there or something. I don't know. I didn't really look into it too much, but kind of cool. Yeah. This reminds me a lot of what simple was doing. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Uh, they mm-hmm. basically uh, tried to modernize the whole banking system. Um, so they, they partnered with a bank and they basically took care of the entire experience uh, that someone like would end up using, and they built a really nice product around that. Um, at the end of the day, they ended up getting bought and shut down. And uh, long story short, it didn't last. Um, but uh, 
this feels like something that Apple has the resources to actually mm-hmm. do, and they clearly have the the financial resources to pull something like this off. Uh, so uh, they're still working with Goldman Goldman Sachs. Is that the yeah. the correct word um, yep. to to actually do this? Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a thing. Not yet, I don't think. Right? I think it's coming with sixteen point one. Yeah, I I didn't actually read when it was coming, but fairly soon. Not as exciting as macros, man. <laughs> I know, and definitely not as exciting as the new iPad. Um, yeah. Colors. They brought colors back. Um, We're getting there. Real colors. They're listening to us, just not in the right place. Just bring yeah. colors to pro products. People people <laughs> who are pros, they want to like go at it in yellow. They want to be a yellow pro. Yeah. Or an orange pro like or a blue ultra. pro. Yeah. Like everyone wants to be bold. Uh give me the blue colors, you cowards. <laughs> there are multiple shades, Apple. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anyways, uh this week's episode of Code Completion is once again brought to you by Bon Voyage. Bon Voyage is a full stack iOS application development course from Johnny B. With this course, you'll learn how to build both a full iOS client app and an associated React web administration application. The app and the site will integrate with Firebase, as well as Stripe and Plaid for payment processing. Bon Voyage is a place to book extravagant vacations, and you'll gain the skills to build the iOS app from the ground up and integrate anything and everything you need to provide a world-class vacation booking experience. To find out more and to sign up for the course, visit bonvoyage.app/course. That's B-O-N-V-O-Y-A-G-E dot A-P-P slash C-O-U-R-S-E. That's bonvoyage.app slash course. And be sure to follow Bon Voyage's instructor, Johnny B. Codes. That's at J-O-N-N-Y-B-C-O-D-E-S on Twitter to stay up to date with all his courses. Thanks again to Bon Voyage e-commerce app course for sponsoring Code Completion. Now's the time uh, that we share our weekly Code Completion tip. Um, And I have a SwiftUI tip for everyone uh, this week. Uh, and that is uh, dot frame. So dot frame, uh, you might be wondering, like that's that's like a, a standard one. You can set the width, you can set the height on something. Um, but the specific uh, incantation that I want to share, uh, and I really call it incantation because it feels like we're we're wielding magic whenever we use all these uh, different pieces here, uh, is dot frame with a max width or a max height of dot infinity. And you might be wondering, well, like, that ain't useful. Like, infinite size is not going <laughs> yeah. to be displayable. Um, but what this does is allow you to have a container, say an HSAC or a VSAC, use the full width or the full height available to it. Um, it's not going to use infinity. It's just saying, hey, your max is infinity. Uh, so use it up to that that is possible. So if you remember from SwiftUI, the parent kind of tells the child... Uh, how much space is available, and the child tells the parent how much it wants to use. So without this, your HSAC or your VSAC may say, hey, I only want to use this much. And that's not really all the space that's available. Um, so this frame uh, really helps <laughs> helps it uh, take up as much space as it needs to. Um, and this is a great alternative to uh, like not really knowing what you're doing like I was and just put like color.clear uh, inside of a mm-hmm. Z stack. Yep. And now your Z stack takes up everything and you're like, finally, just what I wanted. Uh, just what I needed all this time is just put color.clear and everything. Um, so instead of putting color.clear and everything, you can totally use dot frame with a max width and a max height 
of dot infinity to get that same ability in each dimension. So it's like a spring. Basically. A spring, right? Uh, not just. It's like a, a power-loaded spring that just wants to push. Okay. <laughs> it wants to, to push along the edges. So um, if we think about it in terms of auto layout, we have the content hugging and the compression resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be the con i don't know the, this... <laughs> the like a compression resistance of a thousand yeah it, it basically wants like to just required. like take up all the amount of space basically but um, it so... would only do that to, to its parent right it wouldn't go past the parent's parent or whatever yeah unless the parent was also ambiguous and yes. then it would kind of help inform yes. that down the chain but okay. if the children were like hey i want to be small uh, then this is like the way out of that box where you can tell them to take up as much room as you need them to take up. This is a great way of okay. getting things to be equal size as well. Like if you need two buttons to take up the same amount of space, you can give both of them that dot infinity and they'll divide the space between them, but they'll use up all the space. Um, so, Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, fun fun wizardry from SwiftUI. Yes. Sometimes does feel like black magic. Um, the grid system isn't out yet, right? Or is it? It should be out. As I haven't of, used Swift UI in a while. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, honestly, I haven't either. I've been stuck in UI land, UI kit land, and like, it's it's a uh, it's not fun. <laughs> I very much enjoy Swift UI uh, yeah. over that. So uh, as soon as we can finally migrate away from UI kit, I am going to be very very happy. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll be good. So, uh, in terms of our mini review corner, uh, I heard that you finally got your phone. It's been a hot minute since we've had a chance to discuss both our thoughts on it. Yes. Uh, so, yes, Spencer, do share. What do you love about your iPhone 14 Pro? It's an iPhone. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> do you make calls with it? I. You know what? I don't. I will FaceTime my parents on occasion. Actually, my mom, because my dad has an Android phone. Um, I yeah well we're yeah he's the only one in the family and we shun him for it and he rebels harder so I think he will never get a phone (laughs) I have I have told him on his like in his casket when he is dead I will place an iPhone for him um just to spite him I love my dad I know um no it's good um I think it feels the same. I I think the dynamic island is really cool, and I have quite enjoyed the small, um, just the small things that have come from it. Uh, it's cool to see music playing there, and you get the waveform and everything. You see when, um, like the microphone was used, and you get that little yellow dot, and it's it's pretty visible. You don't have to go into the control center to see that. Um, but other than that, it feels you know just exactly like my old phone uh you know going from a 13 pro to a 14 pro isn't a huge difference battery life seems really good though my phone is mostly charging um like i I just have it on a wireless charger uh at my desk so i don't charge it at night or anything but i have noticed that when i'm out it does seem to last a fair amount longer uh partially i'd say just to a new you know attribute it to it being a new battery but also there's higher capacity there so Mm -hmm. um it's good it i'm a little off put by i got the the silver model and so like the 
the bezels are actually silver and I'm not used to seeing that um it that I guess like vibrant um, because you got the you got the the Sierra I think it was called last year right which is the blue yeah. one and that yeah. was a little darker yeah it was definitely like the back was quite light but the 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 uh surgical steel was quite dark compared to like this silver so but it's good it's um yeah no complaints for sure i think the dynamic island is the big thing and also um the cameras are sweet having it take like 80 90 um megabyte photos is is pretty cool and being able to zoom in quite a bit um i think it was the the camera upgrade was long needed and Mm -hmm. very welcome for me are you using the the always on display no no like it (laughs) no i've turned it off on on my new watch and on on the new phone as well especially because i have my phone sitting right under my my monitor um it's just distracting and you know it'll come on when i get a notification that's good enough for me (laughs) i don't know if it's old school but so so i've had mine on for for like the past few weeks so i've I've learned one thing that I do not appreciate about it at all is I don't know when it's in its always on mode or it's in its active mode. So I'll see the notifications that are down at the bottom and I try to swipe up and swiping up does nothing. You have to tap first and then swipe up. So I find myself swiping up like three or four times like I'm doing it right now and there's absolutely no response on the screen which makes sense. Like it might be in like a pocket or I don't know. Actually, no, it does not make sense. Just let me swipe up. Um, like wake up the phone in that like one gesture uh, or do something that makes sense. Um, yeah. Because that does not make sense. That drives me nuts. Interesting. I would have thought that like when you get a notification or something, it would turn on like the face ID array or something and then like realize you're looking at it. I don't know. Well, I think this is more like not when I get the notification, but when I notice, oh, oh hey, there's a notification that's like oh, in the little okay. pile at the bottom. So I'm like, I want to sw- <laughs> see it. So I try swiping it and nothing happens. Oh, swiping from the bottom does bring up uh, Face ID. So what I meant was swiping like midway on the screen, mm-hmm. just to, like scroll the notifications up. Uh, that's right. the one that does not work. So. Yeah, that's my only complaint about the always on. Otherwise, I think it's fine. It's I think it's useful. Like I obviously am like glancing at it. I'm like, oh, I want to see what that notification is, and just like mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, so I feel like it's broken in that regard. But um, yeah, generally, I think it's it's a pretty good, it's a pretty neat feature. Um, I haven't really noticed any battery like problems because mm-hmm. of it, though. I have heard a oh, ton good. of people did have like iPhone 14 like battery woes. And they're like, hey, iPhone 13 was, like, way better for me, like, despite its older battery. So um, it was interesting that you said, like, it's been way better for you. So perhaps it's a hit or miss. Perhaps it is because I'm not using the always-on display. You know, it doesn't have to use the extra battery. Although I'd assume that with it, one, being OLED and pretty low brightness and probably putting it down to, like, one hertz refresh rate or something. Mm -hmm. Still, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Oh, uh, comment number two about the one hertz refresh rate. Uh, you'd think with a timer and one hertz, that would be enough to show the timer ticking down, right? You have four minutes and 56, 55, 54 right. seconds, etc. No, it says four minutes and dash dash. 
It doesn't even like hide the numbers and just say oh. like four min. It's just four colon dash dash. Um, and I think that's like the weirdest decision that they've ever made. Like talking about like weird things. I'm like, no, I'm like, why did the seconds disappear one? And why did it get replaced with dash dash? Like if you're going to do that, just hide the colon and the dash dash and put like min. And that right. would be like totally fine. Like I, I'm, I don't need the seconds duration mm-hmm. at the minute. Uh, once it does get to less than one minute, it does start counting down like 59, 58, oh. 7. Um, but up until that point, it's just like one colon dash dash, which is like the weirdest like thing to like see. So um, I, I wonder if they can go lower than one hertz, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's like, like half a hertz. Refresh less mm-hmm. than a second. I don't know. I mean, again, like I totally get like maybe they can't show it once a second. So that's like fine. Just like yeah, what's with the dash dash? It, I don't. Yeah, it doesn't make that's, sense. That's that's weird. Yeah. Anyways, um, so yeah, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that you were liking it. That you're making regular phone calls on your phone um, as it's meant to be. Um, and yeah, that, that's all it's used for. That's the only reason so, I have a smartphone. One sole purpose, right? Yeah. It's a phone with a bunch of apps on it. Not yeah, a device yeah. with a, a phone app on it. Yeah. I got thinking, like, I'm, I'm wondering, this is semi-unrelated, but I'm wondering if they're going to drop the i from iPhone, iPad, and everything. It feels old at this point, but I wonder if they're just, like, stuck to it. Like, they, I could totally see them just calling it, like, the Apple phone or something. I don't know. Like, the Apple I TV mean, or the Apple pad i guess i don't know yeah the apple like i get that but at the same time like if they drop the eye then it's just a phone and it's not a phone like no one uses it as a phone that's and phone like i don't think has migrated its its meaning over completely to like a device that you use on the daily like this is an extension of you it's more than just a phone um and apple hit it out of the park when they had like a distinct name like a mac like they made that up there's nothing nothing if like related to that and they had uh, a great name for for a device that would define basically computing for almost everyone on earth um and uh i don't think they did that with they named the iphone they're just going off the ipod craze um so like i don't think they can ever just yeah, they would need yeah. a complete dev- new name that is completely separate that the device would evolve into, right? Like, take the next, like, generation leap. Um, it's probably when we'll leave it behind. Like, once we go to Apple Glasses, as bad as the name that is, um, like, that will probably be when we leave the iPhone behind, right? When we start That's getting right. everything here instead of here that's when we are going to to change things over i think probably not anytime soon no probably not i think that ship sailed for now as always i want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week please be sure to follow us on twitter at code completion to know when new episodes go live and feel free to tweet at us if there's a topic you'd like for us to dig into most importantly as a small podcast please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis. That's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S on Twitter. 
for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buñol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Thanks.